Welcome to For Love of Show. We are back this week with uh, Dave and Melissa Collier. Last week's episode was, when we recorded it, very long, um, but we covered so much great information we did not want to leave anything out. So we decided to have this be a two-parter. This version is a little bit more serious. Um, Dave talks about his life as a comedian, other amazing comedians who he's worked with in the past or worked alongside with in the past, and uh, some interesting insight about the business. Great. I found it to be very interesting. Learned a lot from it. Totally. I feel like it's possible that we moved into their house when we recorded the episode. Yeah, I don't remember a time we weren't there. <laughs> and I'm not mad at it. No. It felt... It was great. Yeah. They were so awesome, as always. And uh, we covered so much. So much. We talked about comedians. We talked about directing. And we all drank puke. And I think that that was exactly what we wanted the, to come out of yeah. the day. Exactly. Uh, before we go into this episode, Mel and I just wanted to take a second. We recorded the majority of our episodes before the podcast launched, just so we had stuff ready to go. Yep. Uh, So now we're getting into episodes. Now we're recording stuff as we're seeing listeners come in and getting feedback and everything. We just want to take a minute and say thank you so much to everybody who's been listening. Um, We just did this thing as a fun project for the two of us, and we wanted to talk to our friends and ask them questions that we were curious about. We, I don't think we really expected anybody to actually listen (laughs) exactly so this was all a very pleasant surprise and we also appreciate all the really nice stuff that people have been commenting and saying to us about how it's you know made their day better and i love i want it to be a community where you can say that kind of thing without thinking twice so keep them coming we see all of them and appreciate it yeah totally so yeah keep uh keep commenting tell your friends um yes if you are not already uh make sure you follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at for love of show you can build a little cute little for love of show community if you guys have any uh funny question ideas or something that you would love to randomly ask somebody in this business and i don't know who that guest will be let us know and maybe we can uh have a little shout out to the person who came up with a question. Also, speaking of our social media and websites, Mel and I have put up bios on our website. So if you go on forloveashow.com now, uh, we each came up with questions for each other without um, yeah. <laughs> like really running them by. We just asked. Oh yeah, I was like, uh, uh, you're going to answer all of these? <laughs> Mel was like, I want to know what your thoughts are on napkins and I need them right now. Is that a question I asked you? Yes. Oh, of course it was. Cool. Okay. Thanks for putting a lot of time and effort into thinking I, I forgot about that. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty genius yeah i was really feeling it you did a great job thanks you too uh so those are up on the website right now with some pictures of us looking aces shot uh, by the one and only melissa collier so great. see we tied it in we're not actually being selfish in this episode by talking about us because yeah, no, totally she took the photos mm-hmm. it's it works just a shout it out really ultimately everything i do is ultimately a shout out to melissa of course because yeah. she's amazing all right well enjoy the uh cool continued episode i'm not mad at it me either it's good wow i turned 87 two days ago wow he's really funny I have to tell you. Is that where you get it from? Uh, I have a large family. My dad had seven brothers and two sisters. Wow. And uh, they were all funny. We would sit around and, and they would just tell jokes. I wanted to be a professional funny person because they loved comedy so much. 
But my comedy uh, is rooted in divorce, pretty much. I feel like most comics come from a pretty dark, dark place. place. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you have to be inspired by something. And my family was funny, but I grew up Catholic in a very Catholic community. And my parents were the first ones divorced when I was nine. And with that came shame, pain, embarrassment, all of the emotions that you don't want to have when you're nine years old. And I realized that I could make people laugh. So by hearing the laughter, it propelled me through life. And all I wanted to hear was laughs because I wasn't hearing laughter at home. And I went from a family that was extremely funny on the outside, on the exterior, but extreme pain on the interior. And so it was really a catharsis for me to hear the laugh, to, you know, excise myself through all of that pain that I was feeling. And it worked out great because I was a jock and I was always in a locker room and I would sit there and tie my skates and I'd be around 20 guys and I would do impressions of the coach or a guy on our team or I'd make and I became the funny guy and I loved being the funny guy because I was surrounded by laughter which I didn't have in my life and so that's the root of my comedy but I had to translate that into how do I make a living at this and that was a transition that I had to really learn and study and how do I become a professional comedy person? How do I turn this into a business? And um, I moved out to Los Angeles when I was 19 and my group was Robin Williams and Bob Sagan and Gary Shandling and Dennis Miller and Jerry Seinfeld and Jim Carrey and uh, Jay Leno and David Letterman and George Carlin and Richard Pryor and Louis Anderson, you know, Roseanne. And it was a really interesting time to be a comedian because you couldn't go on stage and be in that league and not kill. You had to go up. If you followed Jerry Seinfeld, you had to step it up. You had to go Mm -hmm. up on stage and go, okay, I'm throwing 98 mile an hour fastballs every joke. Mm -hmm. You couldn't lay off. You had to go up and crush every single night. And one night I was in the main room at the comedy store, which is a 500 seat big room. And the bill was me, uh, Arsenio, Bob Saget, Gary Shandling, Robin Williams and Richard Pryor. That was the lineup. And I still have that poster somewhere. So I went up and I had the sweet spot in the room that night and I got a standing ovation. I'd never seen that. And I remember I walked off stage and Robin Williams came up to me and went, oh, holy fuck. Whoa. (laughs) And I was just like, what just happened? He goes, you're fucking killed. That's what fucking happened. And he went in and goes, okay, I'm following that. But then after the show, I remember Argus Hamilton coming up to me and he said, hey, Davey, Robin's looking for you. And I went, "Uh, is it everything cool? And he goes, oh, no, he's looking for you. And then Robin came up to me and he saw me in the hallway and he went, oh, my God, whoa, that fucking E.T. thing you did? Holy fuck, that's some funny shit. And then he went into this old man character and he said, "Uh, Dave Coulier from Detroit. I'm from Detroit. Let, let's go talk. And we went and we sat at a table at the comedy store bar. And so we sat there for an hour and uh, he just said, you're going to be a superstar. You're going to be a funny comedian. But it was one of the sweetest things that another comedian ever did for me was yeah. Robin sat there with me at that table at the comedy store bar, just talked to me and gave me encouragement. And at that point, was he pretty well known? Oh, he was Mork. Okay. From Mork okay. and Mindy. Okay. Wow. Yeah. He was making, you know, four he had a little or 500,000. Just thing. a little thing. He's making yeah, four, four or five hundred thousand yeah. dollars an episode. You know? Yeah, wow. But it was That's really incredible. sweet. That's what they pay me to do. We did. Uh, I didn't see him for a long time. His career took off, and Jumanji, um, mm. Popeye. 
Oh. When he was off doing Popeye, uh, the Mork and Mindy cartoon series came out on ABC, and Robin couldn't do the voice for the Mork and Mindy cartoon, so ABC hired me to do all the lines. So I was actually Mork on the Mork and Mindy cartoon. Wow. Many- oh, look, Min Min. <laughs> That's an unbelievable story. Who do you think is the best comedian working right now? Oh, I know. When you say best... Um, like, who, who do you like find who the funniest? Funny? Who are you listening to? Well, there's comedians that are socially relevant that nail what's going on in the ether of the world. You know, guys like Bill Burr are really pertinent right now are, are really, you know, they're really important to the world because they say things that no one else will say. And I think that's important. I did a show at Syracuse University and I did a couple jokes. I didn't even get to the joke. I just said the words Middle Eastern and the whole audience went, ooh. And I said, I stopped the show and I said, you don't even know you're ooing right now. You heard buzzwords. You heard the words Middle Eastern. You thought I was going to totally tank on Middle Eastern people. So here's what the deal is. I'm not going to tell you that joke. And they went, ah. And I said, no, I'm punishing you now for being too PC so, in a um, comedy world. So afterwards, I did an interview with Syracuse uh, Radio, their TV station, and their newspaper on campus and they said how did you feel during that one moment where you stopped the show and I said I'm embarrassed for you guys and they said we're embarrassed too because the PC pendulum has swung so far in one direction to where we can't even hear a suggestion there are buzzwords that just trigger a response trigger a response and I said you know what what's really bad about that is that you're never going to have a Lenny Bruce. You're never going to have a George Carlin. You're never going to have a Sam Kennison. You're never going to have a, a Chris Rock. You're never going to have any a Richard Pryor. You're never going to have a Don mm-hmm. Rickles. You're never going to have that person who peels the scab off the wound that's Pushes an envelope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is going to make you look at yourselves and laugh at yourselves. Once you're afraid, there's no release valve on society. There's no way to escape from we're all thinking this, we're not going to say it. Mm-hmm. Once you don't have that voice, that's really scary. Comedians throughout history have always been able to peel off the layer that exists in society that no one will say. So I hope the pendulum at some point swings towards the middle to where both sides can laugh at themselves. Comedy is an essential ingredient to our society. To help? Mel, you need Anyways. some more puke? I'm good. Okay. I got drive home. <laughs> uh, I feel great. Mel, who do you feel like is the best comedian working? Here right now and then I also have a follow up okay aside from Dave who I think is super funny and brilliant I, and under comedian though and I understated do like I really feel like that um, is Ryan Hamilton I think that Ryan Hamilton is one of the most brilliant it's gonna be a big star comedians because he doesn't he, totally he never clean. uses profanity to escape a joke or get a laugh or anything it's like his raw comedy is so pure and innocent that it it really is clever clever writing i find him to be a lot like you actually dave because you find a way to be the fastest mind in the room without using profanity without using rudeness or crass it's just pure knowledge and genius at that point i think if you truly want to become successful passion overrides college 
college. Which ended Big up time. happening. And it's cheaper. Passion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. cheaper and it is a better propellant towards what you really want to do. I feel like passion um, with work ethic because I don't, I feel like a lot of people have passion, but they also don't have work ethic anymore. And if it's, you don't have passion, you is, don't have work ethic. I'm there sorry. Is a Those two go very hand distinct. in hand. You can have, oh, I really want to do it. I really want to do it. It's like, well, you don't have a work ethic either. You know, people talk, there's thoughts and there are actions. I, I've heard so many people go, I want to be a stand-up. I want to be on a sitcom. I want to be an actor. I'm like, well, go ahead. Do it. There are thoughts. When you act upon that thought, you're you're on the path. I had another point. <laughs> the first time I came to set for Dave was, um, he was doing a movie in Spokane, Washington, and this whole, this world is very different from the still world. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I went to set and he broke for lunch and he let every single crew member go in front of him and they were like no 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 and he's like nope you're the hardest workers on this like you're gonna go in front of me I'm not taking lunch first before you and they're like no we can't allow this like you're they get in trouble actors like but you know and he goes no 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 go ahead go ahead go ahead and so towards the end I'm we were talking about that and I was like that is something that I appreciate coming from the opposite side of the camera because <laughs> I'm always crew usually or was at the time and um, he's like are you kidding these guys work their butts off of course you let everybody else go first they've been here since 5am I got here my call time was 10 or whatever you know and it's just something too like that's one thing like I appreciate so much is Dave's never been the guy who's oh I deserve this or I deserve that it's no we're all in this and it's a matter of recognizing the hard workers just saying, I really yeah. appreciate your point of view of where you come from because you stay grounded. Well, and I, I appreciate like people. That. Yeah. That's why, you know, at a rap party, I said, look, you guys are the unsung heroes. Let's talk about the production team and the crew. You guys are the unsung heroes. You're here first and you leave last. And that's where the biggest applause should go. We have the wimpiest jobs on the show. But I feel like for me, I it can't feels like to a that. different type of hard because you, it's you don't hard. have Kim, to be there. It's not hard. Oh, all right. I'm just, I'm going on record saying being an actor, <laughs> being an actor is not hard. You're going to. Can I tell you some of the jobs amazing. Cinder had? He was my roommate for five years. He worked his, worked his ass off. Mark Sandrowski. That's everybody. all he did. <laughs> he just worked his ass off and I was there and we were, mm-hmm. we were poor. So, I mean, poor it's about. Poor but money, but. It's about staying focused. Rich in love. Mm-hmm. It's about staying focused. <laughs> it's about, it, you have to, first you have to create your passion. You have to know what it is. And then you have to realize how much work it is to get there because if everybody could be a director in television they would do it it takes an incredible amount of work to get to that point because you want to have the knowledge to answer everybody's question Mm -hmm. how big do you want the wreath how tall is the christmas tree where do you want it is this enough light where do you want the dancers is this going to be live in front of the audience are you going to roll this back you have to have every single answer you should really know that time to hear all of those questions Mm -hmm. being answered over the years i also think like you should know every everyone's job right like you should know how you you want hair and makeup you should know your continuity you should know the props you should know wardrobe you should know your cameras you should know the lenses on your camera you should know all the angles like if you are the most knowledgeable person on set you're going to be the most successful at your job definitely Mm -hmm. well but that's in every realm right every show is telling a story sitcoms tell a story in a very funny way and every sitcom has a different rhythm and so you have to learn 
what that rhythm is. You have to know what the showrunner wants. You have to be able to translate that. To be able to gain that kind of knowledge, you have to be around it for a long time. And going up that ladder is probably, for most people, not pleasant. Do you think that coming from an actor standpoint of, do you feel like actors make good directors? Or do you feel like it's a specific type of actor that can make a good director and like how would you describe making that transition or switch um sorry i took over your podcast being on one side of the camera being on one side of the camera is completely different than being on the other side of the camera because you have to have the ability to not just read from a script and translate those words into a story you have to be on the other side as a director you are basically connecting with a crew of a hundred people and you have to be able to connect with all of those people to orchestrate this this ballet that happened on a sitcom, a multicam sitcom, you've got four camera people, you've got two boom operators, you've got this symphony that happens that you have to orchestrate in order to make the most important thing on the show, which are A, the story, and B, the rhythm of the joke. And if you're not if you're not cognizant of all of those parts coming together to form one machine, you're not going to have an episode that's that's good. So you have to, I think, to answer your question, you have to you have to take everything that you've learned as an actor and translate that on the other side and have people skills in order to be able to look back through the lens and make those actors important in your story. Sorry, I got all serious. No, that was good. That was great. How do you feel about working with directors or have you worked with a director that's not a an actor's director? I've worked with many, many, many that are not an actor's director. And being a professional funny person, because I came from the world of stand-up comedy, I'm always thinking, how do we make this scene as funny as possible. I want the audience to laugh. And if you don't, you get a director that's not funny, if they're just looking at the technical side of how do we get through this week and shoot it. If they're not giving me funny stuff, I'm pretty much coming up with my own funny. And if it's making the writers laugh, I'll push it at the run-throughs for the, you know, the network and the studio and the writers. I want to make those guys laugh. I want to make those women laugh. I want to make those people who've crafted these jokes and have written this story. I want to make their work really important at that point. And the worst thing you can do as an actor is tank a joke. If, if you don't really try, I don't care if it doesn't get a laugh. If you tank a joke because you don't believe it, the writers know that. And what happens in that writer's room, just because I've been in those writer's rooms, is that those writers aren't going to write you jokes anymore. So if you're tanking jokes uh, because you don't believe it, just because you're not getting the laugh, you're not getting the joke next week. And the best thing on a sitcom or a professional funny play or a movie, try and work with those writers to make the funniest thing. They don't want their jokes to tank. They want their jokes to be funny. They want to be funny in that moment with you. And those writers are sitting there going, oh, I wrote this joke, I wrote this joke, and they're watching you. And if you just kind of blow it off, you're not getting the joke next week. And as a director, I know that process. And I'm trying to give the actors the the exact same thing that I would do as an actor. I'm like, and sometimes actors will go, I don't think it's working i'm like it's gonna work believe me let's just give this a chance let's let the writers hear it if you already weren't as enchanted as you should have been by dave and melissa coulier for the last episode uh and you have not followed them on social media yet um please do so dave is d coulier on instagram and at dave coulier on twitter and melissa is at melissa coulier on just instagram so check out her amazing photos and thank you for listening plug your own social media this time (laughs) do it people like it i think uh you guys all are doing a great job following kim at kim moffitt um i'm so (laughs) sorry i'm private and 
I'm at Mel Samuels. If you want to see a nice little privacy That's uh, not even Instagram. your Instagram. At Mel Samuels. <laughs> Mel underscore Samuels. Oh, whatever. Guys, it's I okay. really appreciate all of you following for love of show. And I do check that account. And uh, I'll just be a dream. <laughs> cool. You're, you're certainly a dream to me, Mel. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> <laughs>